Still too tall, could've used a few pounds Tight pants, points, hollering down She was a black-haired beauty with big dark eyes And points all her own, sudden way up high Way up firm and high I pass the cornfields where the woods Hello, Nick DiGilio here on 720 WGN, live in the Skyline studio here until 4 o'clock. Uh, it is a Tuesday, right? <laughs> it's a Tuesday. I get confused every once in a while. Jim Ryan is going to join us after one. He's a music and entertainment writer for Forbes and Daily Herald in Chicago now. Always a great time when he uh, when he joins us. Um, every weekday morning at 2.30, we play back some classic Johnny Carson Johnny Carson show can be seen on Antenna TV every night, and it's definitely worth watching because it's so great. And we always play back some comedy stuff from uh, from the Johnny Carson show. So, uh, and uh, you know, sometimes it's stand up, sometimes it's sketches. Well, this morning it's going to be Karnak the Magnificent, which is always my favorite. Well, uh, there are now drive-through haunted houses open in uh, Japan, and I still don't understand any of it. Uh, we're going to get into driving pet peeves as well. And speaking of driving, you see how I segued there, Tom? You see that? That's why I've got a plaque outside the trib building in the ground because of my segueing ability. <laughs> Joining us every month, uh, the publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive, the host of the Car Stuff podcast, it's our good friend Tom Appel. And you can follow him on Twitter at car underscore guy underscore Tom. And we always like to talk about uh, car stories and answer any of your uh, car or automotive-related questions. If you're looking to buy or lease a car, you need some help with some car uh, issues, 312-981-7200, 312-981-7200. And let's say hello to Tom. Hi, Tom. Hello, and, and happy belated birthday. Oh, thank you very much. It wasn't, you know, you're only nine minutes late, so it's Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't feel so bad. That's right. I appreciate it. Thank you, Tom. Uh, Tom Appel joins us every month. If you have uh, any automotive or car-related questions or you need some advice, 312-981-7200. That's the Team Hochberg phone line, 312-981-7200. Uh, Tom, tell us about Consumer Guide Automotive and all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. We are ConsumerGuide.com. We've been around since 1967. Uh, doing new and used car reviews. Um, all of our reviews live at ConsumerGuide.com. Plus, our blog is a lot of fun. You can get there from ConsumerGuide.com. And you can listen to our podcast, the Consumer Guide Car Stuff podcast, uh, streaming at ConsumerGuide.com or at any podcast site you like to go to. There you go. Tell us about the, the Car Stuff podcast because it's relatively new. It is relatively new. Yeah, we just we just did our 36th episode. We really enjoy doing it. It's fun. It's a little bit easier than having to write everything down. It's a little yeah. bit more conversational. Yeah. So uh, mostly it's me and, and Damon Bell, our, our senior editor. We cover the news. We have great guests. This week we're going to talk to someone from IC Cars about what is actually selling despite the fact that we're in a pandemic. So stuff like that, fun stuff, uh, topical stuff. Uh, and then there's, there's always a quiz that's ridiculous at the end of each podcast. <laughs> Ridiculous in what way? 
Um, it's stupid hard, and I give oh. it to, to Damon Bell. And if she's with us that week, Jill Simonillo, another journalist in the Chicago area, they hate the quiz. So, that's, <laughs> so it entertains me. Well, there you go. There you go. That's all that counts. That's, that's, that's all that counts, Tom. You're, exactly. That's all that counts. As long as you're being you're being entertained by it, it's great. Exactly. So, uh, I always have to. I always ask you this: What have you been driving lately? Oh, great week to ask me that. I am driving the 2020 Chevrolet Bolt EV. This is, this is Chevy's little electric car. Uh, got a little bit more range this year. It was up from 239. I think it's up to 258 or something like that. But what a sprightly little fun thing to drive. It's about the size of a Volkswagen Golf. Um, and, and the great thing about electric cars, and this is true of all electric cars, is that the power just comes on immediately. Uh, the torque is just there right away. So it just feels faster than it is. Mm. And it's very quiet, and, I'm, and it's very roomy. I'm a big guy, and I fit just fine. Wow. Well, that's always that's always good to know if you can if yeah. you know, a smaller car that can actually be comfortable for a bigger person. Yeah, this is a good city car. It's a very tidy package, very short wheelbase, uh, short overhangs. It, it would it would suit a city person who doesn't need to go to Wisconsin every day very well. Okay, and uh, how often does it need to be charged? Uh, it depends on what you're doing, but I'm I'm going to not charge it this week. It's got 258 miles of claimed range. Um, and then it's funny, Chevy gives you a little be above and below that. So it could be my charge this week. It's very hot out. That's bad for the battery. Mm. So it is high as 305 and as low as 211. So we'll see. I'm going to drive it hard to see how low I can get it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, does that, that, that kind of variation, cause that's a pretty big variant. Th- those numbers are pretty big. Huge. It's a huge difference. And yeah, temperature has a huge impact on that. Oh, I see. And it's going to be hot all week too. Yeah. Heat is almost as bad as cold. Uh, for battery condition, uh, you know what? I didn't even think of that. I uh, uh, I don't know why. I, I, you know, it makes sense, but most people think that the cold weather is all is is you know is worse than than uh, hot weather for your battery. It is also you're more inclined to use air conditioning, I think, than heat. So if you're really trying to get range out of your car, you might turn down the heat. But air conditioning is really tough on a battery too. That is very. Uh, very energy inefficient to, to to be blowing a car down to sixty degrees in the cabin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And, and does that have anything? You no. Know, so it, it's just the energy of the uh, uh, the uh, the battery. If you're using, um, if you're cranking up the air conditioning, does that have anything to do with gas usage either? It does, yeah. And your typical car, the air conditioner sucks about five or ten horsepower from what you're doing, so you'll you'll feel maybe a little bit of a power lapse. But it, yeah, it does hurt your mileage. It does. Okay. All right. I always thought that that was maybe maybe not uh, entirely true, but I guess it is. It's not as bad as it used to be. Oh, it used to be worse. Yeah, it used to be a lot worse. Okay. All right. Uh, what else is, are people driving around in the office? We just got the. I love this because the name of the car is 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 about the the wheels. Uh, we just drove the Subaru Outback Onyx XT, Uh-oh. and the Onyx is for black or black wheels. It's a very strange package name, but it looks cool. I'm not sure I would I would name a vehicle just for the wheel color, but this is the Subaru Outback, very popular uh, with a lot of people, super loyal uh, Subaru fans. But uh, mid-sized station wagon, fun to drive, nice-looking wheels, uh, typical Subaru expectations. I really dislike the stop-start feature on this car, though. What's it, Why is that? This is, for people who don't know, a lot of cars now are equipped with a feature that will turn off your car at a stoplight to conserve gas, and a lot of these work very well. For some reason in this car, the car lurches forward when the car restarts, and it's it's kind of unsettling. Ooh, okay. 
All right. All right. Okay. And people can read all about this at ConsumerGuide.com, correct? They can, yeah. Okay. All right, Tom, hold on. Will do. Tom Appel is with us, our good friend Tom Appel. Uh, he is the uh, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. He hosts the Car Stuff podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at, under, uh, at car underscore guy underscore Tom. Uh, and uh, if you have any uh, uh, automotive uh, questions or concerns or you need some advice in the world of cars, 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. We will return. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We are live in the uh, Skyline studio here uh, until 4 o'clock. And uh, we are going to talk about uh, the states with the worst drivers and uh, some of your driving pet peeves. And uh, I figured I could uh, mention this to Tom. Tom, do you have any – I mean, I'm I'm sure you do because you drive. Do you have any driving (laughs) pet – Tom Appel is with us from uh, Consumer Guide Automotive. Any pet peeves that stick out? I have I have a new one. Okay, um, and it, it's really killing me, I, and and it's a part of my daily commute. It's people who come to a stop in the street before they turn into a parking lot or driveway. Oh, okay. So they're doing way too much slowing when they should be going forward or getting out of my way. Uh, okay, all right. Yeah, I mean everybody has driving pet peeves. Everybody yes. does. I mean it's just uh, it's it's crazy. Uh, we have a bunch of people who have called in, Tom. We're going to get to some of the stories that we want to get to, okay, uh, as well. But we do have some people who uh, who have questions or uh, comments. Here's uh, Big Ed. Go ahead, Ed. Hey, Ned. Yeah. Hi, Tom. Hey, Tom. I got a question for you. What is the um, you know about batteries, electric cars? How are the batteries doing? How are the batteries doing? Is there any, like, progress? Well, the progress has been slow and sort of unremarkable because we haven't been hearing that much about it. But I can tell you this. The battery pack that was in the original 2011 Chevrolet Volt was a 14-kilowatt-hour battery. And at the time, that battery was rumored to cost about $1,000 per kilowatt hour. Sometime last year, Mary Barra, she's the CEO of General Motors, was talking about how GM was pretty close to getting their cost for a battery down to $100 per kilowatt hour. So that is that is 900 bucks per kilowatt hour that has been that has been erased through progress and and just practice and continually building these things. So the price has come down a lot. The capacity has maybe doubled in the last 10 15 years and what I mean is how much energy they can pack into a certain weight vehicle, a certain weight package. So there is progress, it's slow and it's going to slow down from here. There isn't some some breakthrough technology on the horizon that anyone's talking about. Okay. All right, Ed, thanks for the call. 312-981-7200. Here's Rich on WGN. Go ahead, Rich. Hey, Nick. How are you? All right. Go ahead. I had a question for Tom. Hey, Tom, what about the electric Mustang? Is it going to have a throaty sound? (laughs) 
that's a great that's a great question. I don't know how many people know about this, but there's the Mustang Mach E. That is a midsize small crossover yeah, right. that's coming out soon, and that's going to be pure electric. And there's some controversy about the fact that the Mustang name is being applied to that. And then a Mustang that is actually a regular Ford Mustang with Tudor Coupe uh, that is all electric is rumored to be on the horizon. So no word on that. But yeah, noise is such a big part of the muscle car or, or pony car experience, and electric cars don't make noise. So you're asking a great question, and I do not know the answer. Uh, all right, Rich, thanks. Thanks, Nick. Right. 312-981-7200 is the uh, phone number. Yeah, that, that's actually a pretty good question because you, you want, you, you know, if you're going to drive a Mustang, you want it to sound like a Mustang. You need something. You need something. Because it, if you, you, most people don't look at a tachometer anymore, and most cars are automatic, but you usually get a sense of when a shift is coming yeah. by, the, by the noise the engine makes, and, and that's going to be gone, as will shifts, by the way. So the experience will be very different. That's weird. That, <laughs> it is weird. That's just going to be weird. <laughs> wow. All right. Uh, 312-981-7200 is the number. Here's Terry on WGN. Hi, Terry. Hey, Nick. Hey, Tom. How are you? All right. Hey, real quick question. I'm currently driving a 1997 uh, Toyota Camry, and I've only owned it for about five years. I inherited it from my mother when she passed away. And, and in the five years I've owned it, I've spent about $2,000 um, on some engine work about three years ago. I don't recall specifically what the engine work was, but I do have the receipts. Recently, I've also had some oil leaks, and I took it into my mechanic, who is a very honest and reliable guy, and he said he thought it might be $2,000. So... The only reason I'm asking this question is it only has 106,000 miles on it, and it is a Toyota Camry. Is it worth bothering to fix, considering, again, it's a Toyota Camry with 106,000 miles on it? And if not, I'm looking to probably spend no more than $4,000 on another used car. Would you have any recommendations if, in fact, I needed to purchase another one? Wow, that's a great question. Camrys are generally more reliable than that, and they're usually quarter of a million mile kind of cars. So you've had some very bad luck very early on. And as for advising you, I don't think I can do that at this point. In most cases, I would say a Camry with 100,000 miles on it is a sure thing. Just go ahead and get it fixed and hold on to it. And that may be the case the, the case in, in your situation, but I'm, I'm worried about oil leaks so early, as if the car may have been abused or there's something wrong with it or you have a lemon. <laughs> Well, I believe it's probably eleven. My, my my parents purchased it, and they're they're very prudent. The only things they've ever owned were Toyota Camrys, and they bought it in nineteen ninety seven, brand new. And when 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 I got it, it had I think eighty five thousand miles on it. I mean, my mother hardly ever drove it, and my father was meticulous about caring for our our cars. So I doubt very much it was abused. So it's very possible it was a lemon. So again, the only reason I'm even asking the question, given what I've just told you about the history of the repairs at the time I've owned it, is because, like you just said, it's a Toyota Camry, and those things are good for at least uh, a couple hundred thousand, maybe more. Yeah, usually. Fix it and hope for the best. Yeah, I don't know. Given your luck, I might back away from this. That's not advice. That's just my gut feeling. Uh, but hard to say. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I, good, I, good I, luck, Terry. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Okay, take care. Well, what is it about uh, uh, the Toyota Camry that makes it so uh, re- uh, such a long-lasting, reliable car? Well, 
a couple of things. One, Toyota just has been really has a great track record of building reliable cars that last a long time. But they also build an awful lot of them. You know, they're 400,000 units a year. They get good at building those things. And things change very slowly on Toyota products. There's, there's not a lot of all-new vehicles. And the drivetrain parts have been around for a while, and they're trustworthy. And, and yeah, there's, it's, just, it's just a lot of, of well-made combined with, with things that are change slowly, uh, I think, that make make the, the Camry work so well. And it's true, the Corolla as well. Yeah. I, you know, but the, I, you know it's, it's ta- we talk about Toyota a lot on the show. We do. Yeah, and, uh, and how much people really love that brand and are loyal to it. What are some of the most loyal uh, uh, drivers to, to certain car, to certain ki- kinds of cars, brands of cars? Subaru has a fantastically loyal following, mm-hmm. um, especially certain cars. There's a lot of Forester owners that have had Foresters forever. Um, Volvo has some. You find some at Volkswagen, too. Both of those are kind of falling apart because they're not the same companies they used to be. But I think there's still plenty of Volkswagen loyalists out there, too. And then you have your big truck loyalists, your Chevy, your Ram, and your Ford guys. And those guys stick with brands forever. Yeah. Well, well it's, it's, so Subaru has a big fan base, then. They have a huge fan base, yeah, very loyal buyers. I think they may have the highest return buyer uh, percentage. Wow, okay. Well, there we go. Hey, uh, let's talk a little bit about the, you did a first look. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the 2021 Ford F-150. Now, we've heard about the Ford F-150 for uh, a while, uh, but you're doing a little preview of the new one. Yeah, that's big news. Uh, Ford just gave us a little look at the vehicle, and I'm going to say very little because we heard very little about anything technical, but we learned some stuff, and Ford is paying a lot of attention to the next generation of the F-150 when it comes to the cabin. So there's all sorts of cool stuff inside. So the, the touchscreen monitor got bigger because now we talk about how big the touchscreen is, not horsepower. Um, <laughs> the interior got a lot nicer. Um, there's all sorts of upgraded electronic equipment, and this is big. The front seats fold completely flat, which is a big deal. Really? I think, that's, I think that's a first in a big pickup. And then a really cool feature, and I forgot what Ford named it, but the shifter on the center console now, when you're parked, will fold flat into the console so that you can open a laptop in that space. Wow, that's pretty nuts. Yeah, I don't know who thought of that. It is such a simple thing, and I think it's it, they're going to be rewarded with with all sorts of happy customers for that. Yeah. Wow. Uh, now, so when when do when do the uh, the the 2021 uh, uh, cars when do we get to see them? Usually, we see them around September, and I think in the case of the F-150, that's going to be the case. They're going to be teasing that a little bit more, um, but it's a really big launch. Everything's been slowed down by the virus, right? Then we, I, I should probably have driven one by now, but that's, I think it's going to be months away still. So a few months away, and you'll be, are you looking forward to that? I really am, yeah. That's such a, that market is huge. It's two and a half million units a year, and Jeez. it's just a few vehicles that matter. So the Ram Chevy Ford battle is just always delightful to watch. And Ram overtook Chevy last year, which was huge news in the truck industry mm. in terms of sales. So yeah, the F-150 is still in first place, but uh, Ram is catching it. Yeah. And, uh, and, 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 uh, but nothing, not a, a couple of adjustments, but nothing, not a major change in the design of the F 150, right? No, nothing major. Um, they, they are going to be ringing out a full hybrid model. So we'll see that later. Okay. All right. And how does that work with a car like that, with a, with a truck like that? That's a good question because hybrids have, have long been considered to be 
delicate's the wrong word, right. but maybe right, not right. in a position to, to to do this kind of burly work. But right. they're they're claiming the best uh, the best towing capacity and payload for the hybrid model. So presumably, it's it's as rough and tough as anything else. Wow, jeez, that's crazy. It is. Jeez. Okay, so you can take a look at that. The first look, and you can get that on the blog at consumerguide.com. A first look at the uh, 2021. Uh, Ford F-150. Okay. Tom, hold on, okay? Will do. All right. Tom Appel is here. If you have uh, any car-related or automotive-related questions or concerns, he's here to help. We've got more car car, uh, stories to talk about. 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. And we will return right here on 720 WGN. Hello, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We are live in the Skyline studio. We're here until 4 o'clock. Uh, coming up after uh, 1 o'clock, our good friend Jim Ryan is going to be with us. He's a music and entertainment writer at Forbes, Daily Herald, and Chicago Now. Lots of fun stuff to talk to him about, and we'll play a round of uh, Rock of Ages, which is a music trivia game that we always play when uh, Jim is on with us. Right now, it's our good friend Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. He's the host of the Car Stuff podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at car underscore guy underscore Tom. Uh, lots more car stuff to talk about. And if you have a, a, a question uh, about cars or you need some advice, 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. Hello, Tom. Hello. All right. Hey, let's talk about the quick spin that you did for the uh, 2020 GMC Sierra 2500 AT4. Yeah, this is one of those vehicles we were just talking about in terms of loyalty. Uh, the 2500 is probably uh, not very common in the city, right? In, in Chicago, most people drive half-ton pickups or 1500 series or 150s, but the three-quarter tons are the ones that can do the things like tow huge trailers. And, and in rural Illinois or as you get into Wisconsin, they're more common. This is GMC's version of that, and they've got a new off-road brand that's AT4. So we saw this vehicle with the AT4 trim package, which looks kind of cool and butch, and it's got the Duramax diesel engine, mm. which is insanely expensive. So this is this is a very, very well-loaded vehicle. And if I recall correctly, uh, this came to about $86,000. Oh, man. Yes. Whoa. That's quite a price tag. Yes. Okay, I do I have the right guess. I'm sorry, this one was seventy six thousand. Oh, so, oh, okay. I'm thinking, of, I'm thinking of a Ram we had recently. Okay, but that's still just a just a ton of money. It is. And, and the funny thing about it is, it's it's not that the vehicle is expensive exactly. It's that you can just put a lot of stuff on a vehicle, and people do that. So this is actually not atypically equipped. You would find vehicles out there like this, um, but but yeah, pickup trucks easily get to be twice the cost of the average vehicle. Jeez. Well, I'm looking at the report card here. Um, and yeah. With the exception of fuel economy and value, uh, pretty great grades. Yeah, it's a really nice vehicle. It's nice inside. It rides well. Um, the big Duramax diesel, if people have heard that name, um, which is about a $10,000 option, um, has all the power on the planet. Uh, it's not... It's not 
more efficient than a gas engine directly, but when it's towing, it's much more efficient, mm. and that's why people go with those. And uh, and you're a big guy, and the, you and you you guys gave it an A. Yeah, the Chevys and the Fords are the best for the big guys. They got they got all sorts of room behind the steering wheel and and a good useful grab handle. <laughs> <laughs> right on the A-pillar so you can get up there easily enough. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. So that's the quick spin for uh, for that, and you can check the, the whole article out at uh, uh, the blog at consumerguide.com. 312-981-7200 for uh, any kind of uh, question car-related that you have, and if you want to get in here. All right. How about this one? The uh, forgotten concept, the, the Lincoln Sentinel. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah, this is this is great because it, it, it's just this sort of last look at when uh, a luxury automaker was still thinking about what exactly uh, a sedan of the future might look like because they were still talking about sedans. So the Sentinel was a concept car. It was first seen at the Detroit Auto Show about 20 years ago, and it's a great design study. And one of the things that they were trying to do, and I don't think they were succeeded at exactly, was to, to bring in traditional Lincoln elements without making it look retro. Mm. And I think it looks slightly hodgepodge. I think a lot of the stuff kind of looks glued on. But you've got the waterfall grill that Lincoln did go with, and you've got some, some kind of canted rear-end treatment that looks like an old Zephyr from the 30s, which is silly. Um, and the whole thing's a little bit more shovel-nosed probably than a modern car should look like. But but ultimately, it, it, it's not a bad-looking car. I don't know that it, it really set any standards for what future Lincolns were going to look like exactly. But it's just fun to look back at a car like this and remember when we weren't going to crossovers. <laughs> this was a future car that was still a car. <laughs> right. I like the, uh, you, you, you put down the sales pitch here from back in 1996 at the Detroit Auto Show. Um, it says, next generation flagship luxury luxury sedan. Yeah. <laughs> no, no one sells luxury sedans anymore. Yeah. So uh, the Lincoln Sentinel, how many of those were out on the road? Well, none. This was a concept car, so it was ah. just the one car. Uh, it was not a runner. And when a car isn't a runner, a manufacturer can say anything about it. So this one was powered by a V12, according to Lincoln. Wait a minute. They can say anything about it? Well, if it doesn't run, they can just, this, this is what their plan would be for it if they were going to build it. <laughs> so you get a lot of, whenever you get specs for a concept car, you just roll your eyes and write them down. Oh, I see. All right. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> you can just say whatever you want about the car. It can fly. Yeah. This is the flying Lincoln Sentinel. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh <laughs> So, is the, how much? How many cars are usually debuting at auto shows? Uh, does does every major company try to try to debut a car at an auto show? Ten years ago, that was absolutely the case, and and now I think the auto show is in in serious decay. Uh, even before COVID, a lot of manufacturers and Ford especially started launching vehicles between auto shows, and I think their logic was interesting. One of the things that had happened is that if you're Ford and you're debuting something like a Mustang or an Explorer, you've got really, really big news there. Do you really want to share that with everyone else at an auto show and become part of just somebody's auto show coverage, or do you want to do something exclusive between shows and grab all the attention? Mm -hmm. And I think that major automakers started doing that, and what you started seeing were smaller debuts at auto shows for manufacturers or for products that weren't quite as important because they'd get... They'd be part of some broader coverage of the auto show. 
and then and then this happened, COVID happened, and there aren't auto shows. So there's a lot of stuff like that F-150 we just talked about that are just being launched whenever a manufacturer can do it, and it's happening online. Oh, I see. I see. Are there going to be virtual auto shows? Almost certainly. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how that's going to work, but like the Geneva Auto Show is just canceled. I don't know what's going to happen later this year with L.A., but it sounds like they're just waiting for the right thing to happen insurance-wise to cancel that. Mm-hmm. So the next question is what happens to next year's Chicago? Yeah, no, that's a good question. That's a good yeah. question. I mean, if you because, you know, a lot of the things that are being, you know, shut down or postponed or canceled, uh, they seem to be adjusting for, you know, doing it virtually. They are, and, and, and that's kind of a bummer in Chicago because people came to the auto show in Chicago. You know, it wasn't just about a news venue. It was actually a place for people to come and see virtually every car that was available. Yeah. So it, 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 for the local auto dealers, that's a, that's a huge disappointment. Yeah, that's too bad. Well, everything's taking a hit, Tom. It's yep. just, uh, this is just such a bad time right here. Um, all right, how about the uh, 2020 Chrysler Pacifica Hybrid Limited? Yeah, I don't know how many people realize this, but at the moment, and not for much longer, the Chrysler Pacifica is the only minivan with a plug-in hybrid variant. Um, So you can plug that bad boy in and get about 40 miles of range, which covers most people's around town runs during the week so you can go gasless during the week and i always sort of imagine that like if if you're a mom who's busy and working and then coming home and driving people to soccer that it would get really annoying for your kids to constantly remind you to plug in because it was good for the planet but i I suspect that's exactly what happens with those uh but our experience with those have been very good we we usually uh they charge just fine that there's all sorts of good power um the thing that happens with the chrysler that people should know about is because they have to put the battery someplace, you lose what they call their stow-and-go seats, which are the seats that fold completely into the floor. Oh, I see. Yeah, but they got to have the battery in there, though. Yeah, yep, you got, it's a big battery, so it's got to go someplace. Uh, and, boy, I'm looking at the report card. Great grades for this one. Yeah, we are big fans of the Pacifica. If you load it upright, it's really a luxury vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can do whatever you want to with that. And the, now the hybrids only come in the higher trim levels because the, that equipment's pretty expensive, and they have to bury the price someplace. Yeah, the base price is forty five thousand, about forty, almost forty six. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so uh, there you go. Got. I mean, read the, the report card on this one is great. The, the two thousand twenty Chrysler Pacifica Hybrid Limited. Yeah, that's a fine minivan. And then the Toyota Sienna will be all new later this year, and there will be a hybrid version of that, but it won't be plug-in. So you can look at both of those. Okay. Uh, how Are the hybrid cars popular now? Hybrids are becoming popular largely because they're becoming so conventional. Um, you know, we used to think of the Prius, the Toyota Prius, which was a dedicated hybrid. Yeah. That's the only hybrid. But now there's a Camry hybrid and a RAV4 hybrid and a Corolla hybrid, for example, at Toyota. So there's hybrids everywhere. And, and they're, they're increasingly accounting for more of the percentage of total sales. I think Toyota's hybrid penetration now might be 20%. So, yeah, they're becoming much more common. Wow, 20%. Yeah, I think it's that high now at Toyota. Wow. That, that is huge. It is, yeah, and it's just going to get higher when the Toyota Sienna comes out. Um, that one's going to be hybrid only later this year, so that's going to bump that number even higher. Jeez. Okay, interesting. Uh, here's Linda on WGN. Go ahead, Linda. Yes, good morning. Um, I am a, I'm a senior, and I drive a Buick Encore, and I love it. It's a perfect size SUV, um, and I've had several of them. And now I realize they've come out with a Buick Encore GX. I just thought it was a super, I mean, I thought it was an, 
an elite model of the Encore, only to find out that it is a new version, a bigger version of the Encore. And I'm just wondering if you know anything about it or have had a chance to review it. Um, I, I don't think they're doing it any justice by not calling it something different because people might just think it's a souped-up model of the existing Encore. So I will let you answer. Linda, that's a great question. The Encore GX is all new for 2020. or No, I'm sorry, for 2021. And it is not a version of the Encore. It's actually a different vehicle that's slightly larger. And the reason that I think Buick is doing that is that the Encore that, that you own is the best-selling vehicle in their lineup right now. And I think they want to capitalize on that popularity. So this one's a little bit bigger, a little bit longer, and a little bit more powerful and a little bit more expensive. Uh, I did just drive the vehicle. I liked it just fine. I don't love it. Um, but if, if you like it for, for things like, like hip point or for cargo space or for passenger space, you might like this a little, little bit more. You've got a lot more rear seat space and a little bit more cargo space and a little bit more power. Um, and I think a lot of Buick owners are going to be really happy with this. Okay. You know what? It's exactly what I'm looking for. The Encore is a little small when you're, you know, maybe trying to put people in the back seat. So I, I was looking for something the next step up and I'm not real thrilled with oh what's their is it the Envision that's their next step up? Um whatever it is. I, I don't really want that, but um I'm I'm glad to hear it's you know, it might be something that I'm looking for. I still think I understand why they named it the way they did, but it's not doing the vehicle any justice <laughs> because people are just people are just thinking it's a, a souped up encore. So, I, um, I think you're right. I think you're right. Okay, yeah. Linda, thanks. Thank you very much. Right. I appreciate it. Take care. Bye-bye. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Tom Appel is with us. He joins us uh, every month. He's the publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive, host of the Car Stuff podcast. Follow him on Twitter at car underscore guy underscore Tom. If you have any car or automotive-related question or concern, uh, 312-981-7200. Phone lines are open now. 312-981-7200. Tom, hang on. Will do. All right. Tom Appel is with us. We'll continue the conversation right here on 720 WGN. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN, and uh, we're live in the Skyline studio. We're here until 4 o'clock. At 4 o'clock, we head over to the Bradley Place, the TV side of WGN, get some great news from them, and then uh, Bob Surratt has your morning drive at 5. 312-981-7200. That's our phone number if you want to get in here and have a conversation. Uh, phone lines are open. Tom Appel is my guest. He's the publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. And any and all car-related questions are welcome. And the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom here on WGN. Uh, hello, Tom. Hello. All right. We uh, have another call. If anybody wants to get in, it's 312-981-7200. Here's Sean. Go ahead, Sean. Yeah, hi, Nick. Love your show. Thank you. Hey, hey Tom. Uh, you know, I've always been a Chevy guy. I love Chevys. But I'm kind of swaying away towards Chevys because their warranties they used to have 100,000 powertrain warranties, and now I think the last time I went and checked on the new models for, I checked 19, I checked, and it was they only had 50,000-mile warranties. 
So what would your be suggestion of, of a new vehicle uh, for warranty issue, for warranty period? Well, if you're looking for a strong warranty, um, the Hyundai and Kia still have the, the lengthy powertrain warranties. They still have the hundred thousand mile warranty for first time or for the, for the first buyer, for the first owner. So you could still look there, and the reliability of those have proven to be uh, of all Hyundai and Kia vehicles have proven to be pretty high. So that could be a safe way to go for you. Okay, and uh, why did why did Chevy why did they take the warranty out of there? The hundred thousand powertrain warranty was a big big grabber for me you know a lot of a lot of manufacturers a lot of brands will advertise a warranty for a little period of time and then slowly back away from it warranty coverage can be very expensive and powertrains are expensive to replace uh after 80 90,000 miles and and the problem with any any drivetrain is that no matter how good it's built if someone's abusing a car it's going to start to fall apart somewhat at some point right and it's hard to right. prove abuse so you just end up with a very expensive coverage ah Thank you. Thank you, man. All right, Sean, take care. Geez, that's interesting uh, with with the warranty. Yeah, if you can basically prove that you've been changing the oil and doing the maintenance, a manufacturer is usually obliged to repair your vehicle. Oh, yeah, that's well, as long as you're taking care of the car and they, 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 uh, they'll, they'll help you. Yeah, they can't prove abuse. There was a funny story years ago about uh, the Mitsubishi um, Evo, which was the sporty version of the Lancer, and Mitsubishi was becoming aware that people were racing these cars, which is more or less what they were for. They were great on the track, but then once they became aware of seeing people standard standings online, they wouldn't cover the engines when they blew. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Yeah, it was ugly. <laughs> Wow. Um, hey, let's talk about the, you mentioned it, um, you know, we got the Car Stuff podcast, episode 35 is available. You, uh, you, you did the J, J.D. Power initial quality rankings. Yeah. How'd that work out? Yeah, J.D. Power just came out with its IQS, that's initial quality study, and that is a 90-day study, and it's fascinating because they use the word quality, but generally what people complain about in the first 90 days are not quality issues, they're use issues. And, and, and what's happened with infotainment systems getting so complicated is that people come back to the dealership with complaints about the infotainment system, and whether or not it works, they may have found it difficult to make it work, and those count as complaints. So a lot of good brands or brands that were traditionally high in that list have slipped. But one of the big pieces of news this year was that Dodge, which has been kind of slumping in quality ratings lately, um, tied Kia for first place on this list. And, and, and there's a lot of, I mean, that's good for Dodge. That's great. And I think it's a very good sign. But one of the things that's happening at Dodge, too, is they haven't updated their lineup very much, which means there's a lot of people getting into vehicles new that they've seen before. So there's a little bit less confusion. Oh, I see. I see. Uh, yeah. So the, so the rankings, how often do they do this? Once a year? J.D. Power does this once a year, and they do another study that um, that tracks the number of problems that people have with a three-year-old car for one year, and that comes out once a year as well. Okay. Why do they pick three years? I think because the warranty has run out, and I think it's a, when problems might start to kick in. Oh, I see. So, it's yeah, I think it's a pretty telling period of time, and I think they spent some time deciding um, how to do it that way. But, yeah, it's a good report to watch for. Okay. All right. You know, we're going to be talking about drive throughs a little bit later in the show. Yeah. Uh, but uh, a, 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 some, a, couple of, a few years ago, uh, you, posted a, uh, you guys posted a blog piece that says, Just go, the 10 essential rules of drive through etiquette. Yes. Let's, uh, let's talk about that. 
Yeah, and, and for people who don't know, I hit McDonald's two or three times a day for a large iced tea. So I'm, I'm very sensitive to things that just sort of s- slow me down. <laughs> yeah. This, this is entirely a personal rant. <laughs> All right, what makes you crazy? So the first one is, is, is uh, people who don't pay attention. So they get up there, they get up to the front, and, and then they order, and then they don't move, or they move up to the first time to start playing with their phone. And you really don't want to start your day honking at the guy in front of you in line, but yeah, yeah that, that's bad. And then when people pull up, this is a pay attention issue as well, they'll leave the cashier's window and only pull up far enough so that they don't have to look at the person there, but not far enough for you to pay. Oh, I see. <laughs> uh, I see. Okay, so, and then know what you want is another one. Yeah, I don't understand conversations. I don't know that there's anyone left in America who hasn't driven through McDonald's at least once. So I'm yeah. always confused. And I can't always hear the people in front of me, but I'm baffled by the hand gestures and the talking and the putting the car into park. Like, what is going on? You, you have been here before. You know what you want. Why are you asking questions? Right. It's McDonald's. <laughs> yes. I mean, you should be, you know, when you go to McDonald's, you should probably know the menu pretty well and know what you want. I would think. Yeah. <laughs> okay. How about no special orders? Yeah, that's a weird one, too. I, I once heard a woman um, order an Egg McMuffin that she wanted with just egg whites. Uh, with What was it? It was, it was a very complicated order, and it was like, make that at home. Whatever that was, <laughs> it's not an Egg McMuffin anymore. I don't even know how they're going to price what you just asked for. <laughs> oh, man. And then no bulk orders. Yeah, the worst thing that can happen to you in line is to watch the person in front of you pull out a piece of note paper. Oh, it's just horrible. And then they take that, that even gets worse when they finally get their stuff and they're taking in the trays of drinks, so those little four tray, four drink trays that they have to put places in their car. It's, it's very complicated. Okay. How about um, uh, order one at, order at one time? <laughs> yes. Yes. I, this is a minivan thing. I, I, when, when mom and dad think it's cute to let their kids scream the order in, and that's not good. That's. <laughs> Uh, just have one order. Don't let everyone order independently. And it, it's yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. It's making me late for work. Okay. How about uh, your kids get one shot? Yeah, I don't know why the fry, why the fries or apple crisp thing is such a confusing thing, but you always see that happen when you're in front, behind a minivan. You see the parents both turn back to talk to the kid, and the kid's thinking. It's like you order for the kid. Then yeah. if the kid's not ready, order for the kid. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Be ready to pay. Here's the thing, too, and this is a COVID update. I don't know why people are still paying with cash, but additionally, people who pay with cash seem desperate to pay with exact change, and they don't have it till they get to the order window. Oh, man. All right. How about uh, no chatting up the help? I'm sorry, I keep seeing this. I keep seeing guys talking to young women at the window, and it's just the saddest thing. (laughs) I don't know how much better it makes their day, but you're ruining everyone else's day, and you're probably creeping out the woman at the window. Uh, And then don't change your order? Yeah, once you're done, you're done. Okay. Yeah, that whole thing where the bag goes back into the window, unacceptable. 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 And then uh, you got your stuff, now just go. 
This is a thing that you see, everyone sees a jewel too. If you are over 85, you stop where you're at and start looking at your receipt. People do that in their car. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> People do that in their yeah, car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just don't pull away. They want to make sure their order is perfect and that they paid the right thing, and then they, it's not good. Okay. All right. Uh, here's uh, Jamie on WGN. Hey, Jamie. Jamie. Yes, go ahead. Um, I'd like to know who, when Tesla's going to. Uh, going to turn a profit. <laughs> Everyone on Wall Street wants to know that. Here's, <laughs> here's the great and fantastic thing about Tesla. Everyone has been wrong about Tesla always, including me. I, I was sure they were done last year. I was sure they were done a month ago, and they keep surviving. And part of the reason is what money they have, they keep bearing into new product. And they keep borrowing to supplement that, but somehow, some way, they keep coming out with new product. And the new product is always compelling, if not exactly trouble-free. And as for a profit, I don't know. COVID is certainly hurting them right now, and things slow down in China, which is hurting them because they just opened a factory there. But more interesting as to whether or not they can turn a profit is how much longer people are going to continue to, to lend them money. Um, but as time goes by, they keep getting closer and closer and closer to turning a profit. So they've had a couple of quarters where they turned a profit before taxes and interest, and, and I don't know. Yeah. I don't know the answer to it. It might be 10 years, but the company seems quite durable. Oh, okay. All right, Jamie, thanks for the call. Uh, Tom, always a pleasure. And uh, we didn't get to this, but uh, you have a, a road trip uh, article, The Best Albums for a Night Drive. Yeah. Yeah, we should talk about that sometime. But yeah. I, I, I strongly recommend John Lee Hooker. Yeah, that's what you're. Th- I, I, and so everybody on the staff picked a, picked an, uh, an album to, for a night drive. Yep, they did. Yeah, okay. yeah. We'll get into that. You can read that. Uh, we, we can talk about this next time you're on. Make sure we'll stop. We'll we'll talk about this right at the top. Okay, sounds good. And then, uh, but people can read it if they want. They can just go to the website and uh, check it out. Road trip best albums for a night drive. Yeah. Uh, Tom, always a pleasure, my friend. And we will talk to you next month. Pleasure was mine. Thanks for having me. Okay, buddy. Take care. Take Tom Appel, everybody, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive, uh, host of the Car Stuff podcast. You can go to consumerguide.com for all that information, and you can follow him on Twitter at uh, car underscore guy underscore Tom.